so I wonder, have you ever been thirsty? Really thirsty. In this age where everyone carries a water bottle and conventional wisdom tells us that we should be drinking eight full glasses of water a day, have you ever been really thirsty? Perhaps you went on a hike. Or maybe you hit the slopes. Or perhaps went on a golf outing during a summer's day and forgot your water bottle. Or perhaps you worked out hard or ran a few miles and found your throat parched. Still, I'll wager that most of us don't have a clue what being truly thirsty all about. And what we may miss in today's gospel is that both Jesus and the woman he encounters at the well are thirsty, but for different reasons. It is about noon, the sixth hour. There are no shadows. There is no protective cover. Jesus is in the midst of a desert. Tired from his journey, Jesus sits down at Jacob's well, then realizes that he has nothing with which to draw water. The disciples have gone off to buy food, and Jesus is alone. He is tired and alone in the heat of a noonday sun with no water. This is not a metaphorical desert. Left alone here, Jesus could die without water. But then someone joins him at the well, the other, a stranger, an enemy perhaps, and she holds the cup that can quench his thirst. What transpires is the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in all the rest of the Gospels. We only heard a portion of it today. She may be the last person on earth Jesus wants to encounter. Not only is she a woman, but Jesus also knows perhaps by the time of her arrival at the well, she is a divorced woman. Other women would have come to the well early in the day and would have lingered in conversation and a social gathering, but not this one. Jesus knows that she is a Samaritan, Because led by the Holy Spirit into another desert, Jesus has taken his disciples straight through enemy territory rather than go the nine miles around out of the way to avoid Samaria. Samaritans and Jews, you see, though from the same heritage, the exact same heritage, were different. Samaritans had stayed after the Babylonian exile and had intermarried with the Syrians, the vowed enemies of the Jews, and set up their own temple where they worshipped on a mountain. And by custom, this Jewish rabbi, Jesus, ought to not even speak with this woman in public, much less drink from her Samaritan bucket. But as it turns out, this woman also is thirsty. 
she also needs water. She needs the fresh, living water of grace and truth only Jesus can provide. She needs a drink deep of healing and wholeness and new life. And in their separate needs, these two affirm their mutual humanity. They share in the holy source of life that transcends all boundaries, customs, hatreds, fears, and scarcity. In the desert at noon, all distractions are stripped away. All shadows are erased. The light shines bright enough for these two strangers and avowed enemies to discover that they need each other to quench their thirst. And they are transfigured in the light of the noonday sun, and distance dissolves into relationship. Jesus models for us in this story a barrier-breaking relationship of mutuality and compassion. The woman is bold enough to remind Jesus of what separates them. You are a Jew, and I am a woman of Samaria. And of what connects them? Their ancestor, Jacob. She is audacious and spars verbally with this strange rabbi. And in their truth-telling, she experiences him as a prophet. Still, even for all of this, she has gotten a bad rap. I wonder how many stereotypes and assumptions the Samaritan woman at the well has had to bear over the centuries of preachers since she encountered Jesus. After all, she's at the well alone, and aren't biblical women always supposed to travel with a man? Five husbands? What does that make her, a prostitute? Or maybe she's just quarrelsome. And she doesn't even have a name. Surely she is a questionable character if they won't even give her a name. She, like all women of the Bible, have suffered from our assumptions about them, or perhaps patriarchy's desire for women for all time. But this woman, with her water jar, breaks all the stereotypes. This woman from Samaria challenges Jesus to a deep theological conversation. She jumps intelligently into the debate about the proper place to worship and is moved by Jesus' symbolic imagery rather than being put off by it. The woman, also thirsty, she needs the living water that will give her new life, the healing and wholeness that Jesus can provide. Of course, today, we are still caught up in the stereotypes of the woman at the well, and perhaps all women, perhaps all people of color, perhaps all LGBTQ plus people. I could go on. You know what I'm saying. In his essay for the Christian Century, editor Peter Marty makes an important point about our use of words. In reflecting on a plumber in his town who advertises as a Christian plumber, Marty writes this. Sometimes I wince when I hear Christian used as an adjective applied to people. 
Adjectives are splendid inventions of grammar, yet they do not carry the definitive strength or fo force of nouns. Their main purpose is to modify or qualify something that is larger and more important than the adjective is. Marty continued, when we look at the particulars in the life of Jesus, there are many things we don't know about him. But according to Carlisle Marnie, preacher and professor, we know something of Jesus' spiritual genius because of his ability to distinguish adjectives from nouns. That Jesus differed from others of his time by understanding the clear difference between words like Samaritan, leper, sinner, which function like adjectives. Samaritan woman. And nouns like human being, person, child of God. Marnie suggests that most of us get the nouns and adjectives involving humanity all mixed up. Yes, adjectives offer particularity, but when we insert adjectives to represent people in place of nouns, the damage can be immense. Once we elevate adjectives like male, female, liberal, conservative, illegal, gay, straight, black, white, to the status importance of, of nouns, we rob people of their larger humanity. We steal some of their uniqueness and depth from them. Oh, it's not that we shouldn't should do away with adjectives completely. We need those to help us discern and understand, but we need to be careful how we use them. Most of us have nouns in common. It's the adjectives that divide us. The Christian community in Le Chambon, France, secretly sheltered some 2,000 Jewish refugees during World War II. When Vichy authorities ordered Pastor André Trocmé to cease his activities, he refused, saying, I do not know of Jews. I only know of human beings. You see, Jesus knew that the person he encountered at the well was a woman, was a Samaritan, was divorced, was of questionable character, and likely an enemy. But he engaged her as a human being, a person, a child of God. And she left and told everyone about the person she had encountered, the Messiah perhaps. And for this, feminist biblical scholars call her the first person in Scripture to hear Jesus say, I am he. That Jesus is living water a metaphor that identifies Jesus as divine, as the Messiah. And she leaves her water jug at the well and runs to the people to proclaim to them whom she has met, and so becomes the first witness to Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the one who redeems us because she has been redeemed. In fact, biblical... Feminist scholars believe that the gospel is, of John is a feminist gospel. To this day, the Samaritan woman is honored in many cultures. In southern Mexico, La Samaritana is remembered on the fourth Friday of Lent, when water flavored with chilacoyote, tamarindo, and horchata is given to people. 
to commemorate the gift of water to Jesus. The Orthodox know her as Saint Fotini, a name that means equal to the apostles. I don't know what brought you to worship today. I don't know what brought you online today to worship or later today or this week. I know it's not just us inviting you. Something has moved in you to bring you to this space online and on site. And I don't know what hurt or heartache you bring to the table of God's grace today. What I do know is that God sees you as Jesus saw the woman in the fullness of her humanity as a child of God. And I know it is God's deepest desire for you and me that we with all our adjectives know that God desires our hope and our wholeness. So come now. Come in the fullness who you are, your humanity made in the image and likeness of God. Taste the living water. It will make you new for all eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen.